0: Good afternoon once again, Scott Sharp. Greg Richard here for Gardening Talkback. How are you, Scotty? Very well. Had a beautiful weekend. How was yours? I was fantastic. A beautiful weekend. Happy Leap Day today as well. Yes. Now, what does that mean?
1: You were talking just before about a special thing that can happen. Ah,
0: yes. I've heard also this morning that women can ask men to be married. But if (laughs) if men say no, though... You've got to pay the money. That's why there's a line up out the front of my place at the moment. It's a good thing you've got deep pockets. I guess. Well, I just went out <laughs> the back door. <laughs> Very good, Scott. What do you got for us today, Matt?
1: Well, you know, some, you know, well-built guys like you and I. Yep. Uh, this is called the tractor seat plant. Right. Our butts would not fit on that, I don't think. But I always think of tractor seats, and I think you know farmers must have sort of well-built posteriors. But this is a beautiful plant. We'll have a talk about that. Can you uh, actually and- sit on it? No, it's not that big. And I don't think it's that strong either. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> So it just looks like one. It just looks like a tractor seat, yes. There's also, uh, for some uh, chances to talk about Magnum P.I., we might talk about Hibiscus <laughs> Snowflake. And finally, there's a walking stick palm. It's got a beautiful backstory to it. And we've got Wilma from Merriweather. Hello, Wilma. How can we help you today?
2: Oh, hello, Scott. Um, look, um, we've moved, uh, moved from my home a very old red... Uh, climbing rose yes plus a smaller not a climbing one ordinary rose and we've replanted them at my daughter's place and we're not getting anywhere with it I just wanted to know should we try and cut it right back and or we've put some fertilizer around it and things like that but Nothing's
1: happening. Yeah, well, you can remove roses quite successfully. They're a fantastic plant to, to move around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so usually you don't fertilize the plant once you've moved it. It can actually stress it a little bit more. Uh, right. So that's not a good thing to do. What you do do, though, is you give it a good old prune back on the top because what you've done by digging it out of the ground is you've actually reduced the, the root system somewhat. Mm-hmm. And you need to make that uh, sort of commensurate with the uh, the foliage on top so you actually give the foliage a really good cutback so it sort of, you know, almost matches so that the root system can actually sustain what's above the ground. Uh, so, yeah, you do give a good uh, cutback. And then it's water, water, water. Because it has been stressed and that root system's been damaged, you just make sure that the plant's continually moist. So, unfortunately, you probably haven't had fantastic weather this last week or so, uh, depending when you did it because it just has been so hot, uh, you know, and even when it started to cool down last Friday, it was still windy and then it became hot again. So, you know, it hasn't been too flash for, for moving plants around, but that's the only thing you really need to do. Prune it back and then just make sure that you're watering it lots and lots. You can give it some sea soil if you want to. Sea soil is excellent for promoting root growth in a plant, so if you want to give it some sea soil, you could certainly do that.
2: Right. Well, we moved it round about. It has been moved since about... Uh, May.
1: Oh, okay. So that long, not just yeah, a, not just a recent in, thing.
2: In May. Yeah. They were really they're really really old plants. Mm-hmm. That my husband got and we had he planted them in our house. And it's the old red one, you know, the beautiful smelly old red one. And uh, when we moved house, we put it in my daughter's place here because she wanted them um, for because we she lost the fun, We lost my husband and we wanted to keep some. Um, but it's not going anywhere, and we just sort of—I just wanted to see if we could revive it at all. That was all. So, have, have you got
1: it in the ground or in a pot? In the ground. Yeah, and the grass isn't growing up around it. No. No. Okay. Well, if in that case, if it is in the ground, you can give it a much heavier fertiliser. And I, I thought you must have only transplanted it, you know, quite recently. No, no, no. Yeah, so you can actually give it some poultry manure if you want to at this time. Oh. Good. Yeah, and try and give it a good old boost along with that. You can even get some rose food as well. So you might give it some poultry manure, you know, now. Yeah. Don't rush out right away, but now, and uh, then in about two weeks' time, you could give it some uh, rose food as well, and that will okay. certainly give it a good old boost. Uh, now, in February, is the time to give a light prune back to roses, so you can do that as well. Oh, good. And then you leave the main prune and the heavy prune back, uh, the main, the main feed and the heavy prune back, all the way until about July. But certainly go. Give it some poultry manure now. In about two weeks' time, give it a little handful of
0: old-fashioned rose food.
2: Oh, good. All right. Thank you very okay.
1: much. Okay, good luck with it, Wilma. Thank
2: you. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Cheers, Bye. Murray. Here's guarding Talk back on 2NURFM. Any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. Now, Scott, we might jump into that, the tractor plant. The tractor plant. Yes. It's it's a big thing, but... It is a big... It's
1: quite a beautiful looking plant. That's a big green glossy leaf. Now, if you can imagine an old-fashioned tractor, I'm not talking about a new tractor because... That's old sort of big iron. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure new tractors have got like pneumatic seats that bounce up and down and probably massage massage your your posterior (laughs) at the same... the, The farmer's posterior at the same time and cool it and all that sort of stuff. and. Takes away any noxious gases, yep. you know, when you're out there on the on the tractor and air conditioning and stuff like that. So no, we're talking about old-fashioned tractors well, here, the big old iron seat, the big old iron seat, and it is it's called the tractor seat plant. It's Ligularia, just to get technical for you. It actually comes from uh, China, but it'll do really, really well here in Australia. Okay, a lot of goods come from China and actually do really, really well here in Australia. That is very true. Yes a lot of importation. But they're a semi-hardy perennial. They do like being in the partial shade and they like some moist, well-drained soil. Now, these plants can actually get to about 70 centimetres to one metre tall. And the tractor seat, the actual big leaf on it, can get to about 45 centimetres across. So... Greg you probably you're a very slight young man mm-hmm. you probably could sit, sit on it and it wouldn't collapse underneath you my rotund frame it might <laughs> it might not do so well i might be planting my butt on the ground as quickly as possible if i was to sit on it but they look like big lily pads uh, so look, in more sunlight, uh, the leaves will actually become a little bit thicker and, and, and more leathery, and in the deeper shade, they'll get you know, pretty large, they'll get up to that 45 centimetre size, and the leaves will stay quite um, thin. In summer, they will get a bright orange, yellow, daisy-like flower that sort of pops up above the foliage, a very beautiful plant if you want something different in your garden for in the shade.
0: Very good. Is Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM, and on line three, who are we speaking with? Hello? Hello. Yes. How can we help you?
3: Oh, Daphne. Daphne. Um. Yeah. Uh, hi. How are you, Scott? Pretty well. Um. A hibiscus. A lot of my hibiscus are getting yellow leaves on them, and I'm giving them water every day. What What's the best fertilizer to give them?
1: Yeah. Hibiscus. Are they in the ground or in in a pot? In
3: the, oh, I have got some in pots, which is absolutely gone berserk. Yeah. And flowered and flowered and flowered, but. Uh, in the, the,
1: in the in the garden, a lot of them. Yes. Yeah, so the best thing for hibiscus, they actually love uh, cow manure. So cow manure, yeah, yeah. go get a couple of bags of cow manure. Don't be shy about spreading it around because most people fertilise and they sort of, you know, sprinkle it around like fairy dust. And yeah. you know, guess what? That's not really going to do much no, to no. the plant. So don't be shy about it. Give it, you know, a, a good third, even half a bag if it's a big plant. Yeah. So, you know, and then spread it out. Don't just sort of leave it in a big in a big mound like the cow's just gone and mm-hmm. deposited his business there just before. <laughs> Okay. So spread it out and then water it in well, and you'll find that that will really help uh, hibiscus. Even some epsom salts as well, if you've got some yellowing uh, leaves. Oh, some epsom salts. Yeah, yeah. Mix yeah. some of that up and water that in as well. But make sure you use that organic material, like the cow manure, to really give it that that good sort of rich, deep boost that it needs.
3: Oh, right. So there's no other fertiliser. is the best to give them.
1: Uh, that, the cow manure is excellent. However, if you want to, you can use a liquid fertiliser like Flourish. That will give it an instant fertiliser, whereas the cow manure is going to take you know, a week or so to work, uh, or a couple of weeks. So you give it that, uh, the Flourish and it will almost you know, instantly start to uh, you know, prick up the ears of the plant for you.
3: Sea salt stuff, and that's, no, that's that's no good, is it? Sea
1: salt's only good for the root system of the plant. Now, it's sort of been promulgated in the past that yeah. uh, that sea salt's you know really really good for all round on the plant, but it, it's not really. It's only great for the root system. So, really? Yeah. So if you've got damaged lawn from army grub or something like that, yeah, yeah sure, give it a good old dose of sea yeah. salt. It'll um, it'll help it then. But uh, and like we were talking uh, before to Wilma, if she's transplanted a rose, you'd give it some sea salt then to promote. The, uh, the root growth, but uh, not as an all-round fertiliser. Flourish yeah, is much better.
3: Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay, thank, okay.
1: You, okay. That.
0: thank you for okay, the call, bye Daphne. Cheers, bye-bye. No worries. We've got June now from Swansea about azaleas. June, how can we help you out there?
2: Um, I, um, I've got a azalea out in the front yard and uh, uh, due to all this uh, inclement weather, uh, really hot weather, it's burnt spent the leaves from the uh, uh, on the plant. Uh, what I'd like to know is, uh, will I ch- trim the the bits back or will I just leave it be or
1: uh, just give it some water or feed it or what? Yeah, azaleas, they can be touchy little buggers, can't they? They don't really like being out in the full sun, especially with the heat and the dry conditions that we've had. Now, let me take a guess out there at Swansea. Is it sandy? Yes. Okay. So that, pretty good guess. So, um, there's a few sand hills out there, I guess. So, uh, now, because it's sandy soil, obviously the water is just going to run straight through. Now, azaleas are only very shallow rooted. So they they haven't got big, deep tap roots that can go down and suck up groundwater or, you know, get into the lake or something exciting like that and, and try and have a drink. They've only got shallow roots. So if it is dry, they are going to, uh, you know, feel the heat, especially the way it's been the last week or so. Now, For your June, the best thing to do at this point in time, because we know it's probably not going to cool down, you know, at least for another two or three weeks uh, as we get into March, the best thing to actually do is leave some of those leaves that have been damaged on the plant because they're actually protecting all the stuff that's in underneath. If you were to go give it a prune now, all of a sudden you'll get this new growth starting to sprout up and it'll be exposed to the really hot sun and dry conditions at the moment. And it will, as certainly as an egg in a fry pan, just burn off. Uh, sort of straight away again and so I would actually leave those old leaves, the damaged ones on there for about another two or three weeks and then go ahead and give it a prune back but in the meantime make sure you're watering it really, really well.
2: It's strange that i uh, got another, another is earlier alongside and it hasn't even done, it, it's Quite
1: healthy, and the other plants alongside of that. Yeah, it can just be look, and it can be the thing. You know, things are just almost side by side, and, and different varieties. Uh, you know, the root system on one might have grown as well. Uh, just you know, the watering of it at a, at a certain point in time. Don't I be worried about that. Just leave it, leave it be, that. and give it a good old water. And hopefully, you know, in a few weeks' time, once that new growth comes back again, it won't be damaged by the hot sun.
3: You can't prune as early, can you?
1: Well, yes, you can can prune azaleas, uh, but you never go really, really hard with azaleas. They just go all sort of mutant-like and all sorts of, and really, really funny. That's a pretty technical term, I know. Only give them a very light prune back over the top. So really, just take off that layer of damaged leaves that are there. Never go really hard with azaleas. They just go absolutely weird on you. There's
3: nothing I can cover it with.
1: Oh, well, look, if you wanted to, you can just stick some shade cloth or, you know, an old sheet or something over it. But, uh, look, if those leaves are damaged now, uh, I'll just leave them there and just uh, make sure you keep on watering.
3: Without the cover?
0: Yes. Okay, good. Okay, appreciate it, June. Thank you. And we've got Diane from Bellbird. Got some problems with some geraniums.
4: Yes, I do um, scratch. They're really looking, not, they're not very, looking very well at the moment. Um, I was wondering, could I give them some flourish?
1: Yes, most certainly, most certainly you can. Geraniums love flourish. Uh, what it's going to do is it's going to also promote the flowering of the plant. Uh, you might just find that at the moment it's been so hot uh, that the geraniums are just sort of having a bit of a yellow. Some of the leaves are just going off on them. Uh, but the great thing about geraniums is they are perhaps one of the, the toughest plants uh, that you can grow, especially out in the full sun. And almost desert-like Martian conditions, uh, But they are very, very tough plants. So they will survive. You know, in uh, hanging pots that are in, you know, getting the the full, you know, western sun going sort of blazing in on them. So uh, yeah, but I'd certainly give them some flourish, and it will give them a pick up probably in about you know a week or a fortnight. That should start to um, really get can them you, going.
4: Can you give them to? Can you give it to roses?
1: Oh yes, most definitely. Yeah, flourish will, will go on pretty much any flowering plant that you want, and there are other flourish brands that if you you know got only any indoor plants or orchids you can use on that. Uh, but yes, yeah, certainly for any flowering plant, your normal old flourish is a very, very good product. Uh, it's a liquid fertiliser, so you can't damage the plant really in any way, although we have had people who have tried to put it on like as the powder form, and that doesn't work very well. So you do have to mix it up in the watering can and water it on. Uh, so it waters the plant at the same time. It's a magic thing almost.
4: What about maidenhair fern?
1: Uh Now, with maidenhairs, you could do that... Uh, I'd just be more inclined to use one of the, the uh, you know, things like uh, Green and Growth, which is a Flourish product as well. I sound like an advertorial for Flourish here at the moment. <laughs> I've, I perhaps should uh, Or Nitrosol. How about I get another product in there just so I'm not being a... Uh, other adver- products
0: are available. Yes,
1: other products are available. And, and uh, Nitrosol is one of those ones, just so I don't sound like an advertorial because mm-hmm. I'm not. Uh, so you can use those. So what you're looking for with Maiden Hair Ferns is a, uh, a product that's got more nitrogen in it and less potassium. Because the potash, the sulfate of potash, actually promotes flowering, and in green plants like maidenhair ferns, you don't really want them to flower—not that they actually do.
4: No, they don't. Yeah. Um, if they're looking well, should you feed them? That's what I'm just wondering because they—they they are really beautiful, big maidenhair ferns. But do they ever? Should they ever have a um, a help? some help.
1: Yes, a little help's not going to hurt, but then there's the other adage where you should say you know, leave well enough alone. So, I don't know, you roll the dice on that one and see what happens. Uh, I it,
4: do give them a fair amount of water.
1: I think that's probably the main thing with, with maiden hair ferns. We've got them at work and they literally will grow in the crack of a, con- in, you know, in the crack of, uh, concrete, so they, they are a pretty tough little plant. Yeah, I've
4: got them self seeding themselves in cyclamen and everywhere.
1: Yeah, so look, it might be one of those things where you just leave well enough alone. Alone.
4: All right. If it's not damaged, don't. Don't
1: fix it. <laughs> don't fix it. Yep. All
4: right. So I'll get some flowers from my, my My geraniums are really beautiful, but they're really not good at the moment.
1: Yeah. I, I think it is just the heat and the very dry conditions. Uh, so if geraniums are feeling it, then we know it has been hot and dry.
4: But you you can overwater geraniums,
1: can't you? Yeah, that's probably one of the the, the worst things with them. Now, you're up at uh, Bellbird, I believe, so you probably don't get the humidity like... Yes,
4: we do. It's been very humid.
1: Uh, Okay, so humidity is always a bad thing for geraniums. They can get rust, and that can be a problem with them. So you just sort of turn the leaf over, and if there's actually something, a little fungal disease that looks like rust on the underside of the leaf, then you need to use... A fungicide like Mancazet Plus or uh but I just turn over those leaves and check it out, see if there is rust. But otherwise, just um, get some flourish and keep on uh, fertilising it.
4: Keep on using
0: it. Yeah. All
4: right. Thank Excellent. you
1: very much. Okay, thank you very much, Diane.
0: Cheers. No worries. It's Gardening Talk back on Two and You RFM. We're talking peach trees now with George from Denman. Hey, uh, George, is it uh, humid, humid up there at Denman,
1: mate?
5: Uh, yes, it is. That yes and has been for quite a while. Now, look, uh, I've got this peach tree. It's a, it's a uh, 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 what a, a miniature, but it's fully matured. Uh, mm-hmm. It's about seven foot high. Last year, it was uh, just a massive blossom. It was a real picture. Um, uh, but I never got any fruit at all. I saw bees active on it and mm-hmm. so on. But not a scarica fruit. And, uh, that that's not completely correct. When I was hosing in the garden long after the fruit as uh, would have been all finished, one rotten, great big monstrous peach dropped out uh-huh. onto the ground. But that was all that came off it. Now I seem to recall that you said something to somebody at that, about that time or before that um, uh, about digging. Potash, I think it was, into the soil. Was
1: that right, or should it be something else? Yes, potash certainly promotes the flowering of the plant. I uh, usually you sprinkle it around and, and water it in, rather than actually dig it in. Uh, but that said, if you've had you know plenty of flowers on there, A
5: massive flowers, massive
1: flowers. Well, then the, it might have even just dried out at some point in time, and those flowers have, have dropped off because that's when the plant's going to you know be. Needing you know it's uh, you know nutrients at, at 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 the most when it's uh, you know full of flower and getting ready to set fruit. Uh, do you know if there's um, with a particular one you've got some of them uh, don't need you know they don't need cross pollinisation they're self pollinating. Do you know if the one you had is uh, in, you know is a cultivar that needs pollination or not?
5: No, I do not,
1: know. That could be another thing to have a look at because often, uh, you know, if you haven't got a pollinator in the area, then you might have to get one yourself so that the bees can transfer between certain ones. So what you need to do is just, uh, you know, take a note of the variety of the, the peach that you've got. And uh, usually the Fleming's website is excellent for that. And on there, they've got charts and all sorts of magical graphs and things like that, which will actually tell you what is the uh, the pollinator for the particular uh, variety of peach that you've got. Now, it may be that yours doesn't need one, but uh, usually they do. And what that does is when they cross-pollinate, then you actually get the fruit on the plant and you get a much stronger and better fruit. Sometimes you'll get sort of little weak um, pieces of fruit on the plant if there's not a pollinator in the area, but you know more often than not you won't. So it's probably worth uh, you know going down that track and investigating whether you actually do need a pollinator for that particular variety.
5: Right, and that, I've just got to dig in. That uh, uh, not dig it in. You say sprinkle a bit of potash around it.
1: Yes, so you can you can get it either as a li- in a liquid form or you can get it in a powder form. Yeah. and you just need to, uh, yeah, sprinkle that around and then water it in, yeah. but always just do it as according to the instructions on the back of the packet. Yeah, I will. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, George. Cheers. Bye now. Bye-bye.
0: No it's George, here's Gardening talk back on 2NURFM. If you have any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. We're off to Adamstown Heights with Lynn. Hello. How, how can we help you up in uh, lofty Adamstown Heights, Lynn?
6: Yeah. Um, look, many years ago I bought two, um, like, Um, Cherry Blossom Weeping Grafted Trees Yes Do you know what they are? I do Yeah So one guy is great And he's really happy And the other guy In the last couple of years His twigs have actually been dying So he's got all his leaves on him Because I'm looking at him But some of his little limbs Actually just had no leaves And they snapped And I pruned him back a bit so
1: I'm wondering what's going on, if I need to dig him out and chuck him away. Uh, don't, don't go, that's a bit radical, don't go and do that. <laughs> we saw some radical moves like that. It Surfest on Sunday, so we don't want to see you doing that with your cherry blossom tree. Okay. It, it could be that uh, there's actually a borer. Cherries, uh, you know, the bark, as it gets a bit older, the borers can get into them. And that's possibly why you're seeing the, the little tips um, sort of breaking off. I'd go out and have a really good sort of, you know, forage in around the tree, uh, just having a look to see if there's any uh, frass, you know, any sort of sawdust coming out of any holes that might be there or if there's any, uh, you know, sap weeping out of the plant. And that's a sure sign that there's a borer of some sort in the tree. Now, it may have only attacked the one. It hasn't got to the other one. And if that's the case, then there are things you can do to treat it. Okay. Excellent.
6: So if we go along that path, what would I do with
1: him? Uh, In that case, you can actually treat it with uh, chemicals. You can uh, inject it into the plant. Uh, You can spray as well, or you can find as many of the holes that you can and actually try and spray and inject into that area. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, the the other thing to do is when you've got uh, borers in the plant, you also also uh, you feed it and make sure the plant is being extremely well watered to try and almost drive the plants uh, the insects out of the plant uh, by you know forcing the sap, the sap stream through. The other thing you can do as well, once we get to winter, if you can actually start to give the plant a really heavy prune and actually physically prune out those areas where you think the borer might be, if that's what it's got. Um, but the other thing to do is, of course, um, grab your smartphone, take some photos of the affected plant, uh, you know, some close-ups, and uh, bring them into, you know, take them to your local garden centre. I believe we're just down the road, and uh, we, yeah, might yeah. Be able to, we might be able to help you out with that. Uh, you can almost ride your skateboard down the hill and get to us. Jog, jog down. Okay. Yeah. okay.
6: Well, I might do that. I might bring, take some photos, and because um, I'm out, out with him now. So
1: he's got some... You sound he's very, not... you sound very at- attached to your weeping cherry there, Lynn. You've... <laughs> I know. Has, has he got a name?
6: Not yet. He might, <laughs> might after today. Um, we may okay, well christen
1: well, him a, a later on in the show. Sorry? We may well christen him a name later on in the show. <laughs> okay. We We
6: might help him um, help him come on a bit. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I'll have a look
1: at that and um, see how I go. Okay. I'm sure he, he certainly sounds like he's, he's wanted and needed out there in Adamstown Heights, and if he had a name, he might even feel better about himself. What about <laughs> Keith? <laughs> Keith. Keith the Weeping Cherry. I like it. That's okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks, Lynn.
0: Bye. Bye. Right, so we've got Dennis from Belmont North. We're talking blueberry trees. You've got to love them, don't you, Dennis? They are a fantastic little tree. How can
1: we help you with yours?
5: Oh, hi, Scott. <laughs> um, oh, I've had it in its position now for, I don't know, probably seven years or so. Um, and I had a citrus tree, which was small. Now the citrus tree is big, and it's covered the blueberry. Warren rainfall, can I transplant the blueberry.
1: Yes, you certainly can, uh, oh. because it's it's not going to fruit as well if it's you know in a lot of shade. Uh, no, that no. that said, up around Coffs Harbour now that they don't grow bananas up there anymore. I uh, was they're...
5: just talking to Jenny.
1: Yeah, they they uh, mostly grow blueberries up there. Apparently, yeah. what happened is when we had that uh, the big storms yep. up up north, they they sort of the price of bananas went up, and they realised it was time to get out, and they all went into blueberries up there in Copse Harbour. So there's a lot up there now, yeah. but they're, they're they're all grown under hail netting, and that actually does provide a very small amount of shade. And I'd, I'd say that blueberries, if you got them out of the you know the afternoon sun after three o'clock, it's not going to hurt them anyway. Uh, but if they're in under the canopy of a tree, uh, that tree's probably you know taking a lot of nutrients out of the soil because citrus trees are very heavy feeders as well. And you do need them to be in a fair bit of sunlight to get some uh, proper flowering and fruiting. So certainly, um, Dennis, dig her up. Um, try and take as much of the root system as you can. Yep. Don't drag it out of the ground. If you find you can't, you know, you always cut yep, yep. the roots because dragging yep. will actually do a lot of damage. And then also give the plant a really good hard prune back uh, to get that... Uh, that uh, uh, leaf structure, you know that that shape up the top, sort of back down to a, a size that the root system can handle, and uh, plonk it in the ground. Give it heaps and heaps of water. Uh, don't be shy about watering it, and probably some sea salt after about the first week.
5: And when's the best time to do it, Scott?
1: Uh, look, I'd wait. Um, you know, if you wanted to, you're probably best to wait almost until. Uh, You know, August, September. Uh, If you were going to, you know, feel like doing it now, I'd probably just wait a couple of weeks until we, you know, our bones tell us that uh, you know all this hot and dry weather's gone and it's starting to, you know, cool down a little bit. Uh, I know that the the days are certainly getting shorter. I know when I wake up now in the morning, it's still dark when. Yes, it was light only a few weeks before. So, uh, yes, just just get that feel. If you think, you know, those really stinking hot days have gone, then uh, then it's time to dig it out and transplant it at that time. That's great. Okay. Thanks very
0: much for that, Scott. Okay, thank you, Dennis. Bye-bye. Have a good afternoon, mate. Same yourself. Cheers. Cheers, Dennis. We've got another Lynn, but this time from Seam. We're talking about preparing for a veggie garden. Hello, Lynn. How can we help you? Uh,
6: um, hi, I'm just trying a novice veggie gardener, and... Um, just wondering what I should add to the soil. We're, we're pretty close to the river, and the river water's quite brackish. Yes. So I'm just wondering what to put in it before I start planting to make sure they're going to get what they need to plant.
1: Yeah. So at at the moment you're getting ready to uh, to plant winter vegetables, uh, yeah. and they like poultry manure because often they're you know they're sort of green leafy vegetables, you know cabbages and all that sort of stuff. So they actually need uh, you know lots of uh, nitrogen in the soil. So you get some chook manure. And you dig that into the soil. And then when it comes around to uh, August... Uh, September, that's when you start putting in or actually you're probably doing it in about May or so uh, you start putting in cow manure into the soil. I'm sure there's probably one of either beast up around your place, it seems. You must have a cow and a chook up there somewhere.
6: Yeah, I think there's a few
1: yeah. I've, I've, I've driven through there before and I've seen just a couple of them by the side of the road <laughs> yeah. um, So you do that and and then you'll be ready to plant your tomatoes and chilies and uh, all your summer vegetables into the cow manure later on in the year. But certainly at this time, yep, go get some cow manure, Dig that right through your garden, uh, the veggie okay. garden, and then be ready to plant your winter vegetables.
6: And what about the, the watering? Um, is that right to water from the the brackish river or should we, do, should we be watering mainly with the, tank water,
1: the now, tank water? Now, when you say brackish, do you mean, you don't mean like there's salt coming up?
6: Um, Title, look is look it? it. it it's, it's not salt water, but there is some salt you know, Well, like all the all the people that farm around here use it to water their plants, like their and potatoes and
1: buds and stuff like that. Oh like, yeah, um, well well look, if if they're if they're using it then um, then that's fine. You can certainly do that. But um you know, I think building up too much salt in the soil obviously is very bad. Um just to quote yeah. from my high school ancient history as well, I believe <laughs> that the Romans when they sacked Carthage they sowed salt into the soil so that they could never oh. grow anything there ever again greg's looking right. at me he... that's
0: amazing that you've remembered that uh, <laughs>
1: good memory uh, so yeah so salts obviously not a good thing and that's why i always worry about when i hear people have you know gone down to the you know to the seashore and um gathered up a whole lot of seaweed and they bring it back to their garden, you know, without sort of washing the salt off it and put it through. So it might be one of those things, Lynn, where you actually alternate, you know, use a bit of tank water, use a bit of brackish water, and, you know, then it's not going to be, you know, neither here nor there, and it's not going to build up in your soil because we don't want a second Carthage insium. No, we do
6: not. And what about drainage? Like some of the soil, it's quite... Um, clay, some of the soil that's at the bottom of the veggie patch that I've done. Yeah. Is there anything we should be doing with drainage?
1: Look, with that, you just don't want the, the, you know, depending how deep it is as well, but you don't want it sitting, you know, you don't want your veggies sitting in heavy clay soil. They're yeah. just not going to grow very well. As you, you know, you, you're adding manure into into the area, so you're actually going to be promoting uh, the worms in the area as well. And they are fantastic at breaking up clay soil and putting all organic matter back into the area. So, uh, just by doing that, you're going to be promoting worm growth. And you know, it should be fine as long as there's you know, what I'm just holding my hands up here to try and get an estimate. And Greg's going to estimate for me what's that, mate? Probably three feet. About no, that's <laughs> not three feet. What <laughs> he's, he's forgotten his <laughs> no. high school. Cool. maths by the looks of things. Uh, I reckon that's about 50 centimetres. Maybe 40. 40, okay, okay. Right. Now you're going the other way. You just said three feet before. Nathan. I didn't see the bottom hand. Oh, okay. You thought it was down on the ground, yeah. did you? Okay, yeah.
7: So in between a metre and three feet, was
1: that, yeah? Oh, no, that, that's a bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you've got about, um, look, don't do anything to do with maths, just don't come around here with us. We're obviously yeah. not very Definitely good, don't but, ask me, obviously. Yeah. Right. Don't I ask us to, to survey your property or anything like that. Oh, no. Uh, I reckon about uh, forty to fifty centimetres of soil and then if you're getting to the clay then that would be enough for most winter veggies.
6: Oh yeah, that's fine. Okay. And when we're talking amounts how much took menu, a bag
1: or Oh no, don't never be shy about it. Always, you know, put a fair bit around, leave it for a week, dig it through the soil. Um, Yeah, because like I was just saying before, you know, some people sprinkle it around like it's fairy dusted, you know, at a four year old's birthday party, and that's not, that's actually not going to feed the plants very well. You need to get quite a bit in there and sort of till it around into the soil. Let it sit for a week to sort of cool down, and then it's time to plant. And
6: then it's time to plant. Okay, thank you very
0: much. Okay, thanks, Lynn. Ben from Rutherford about pests on his fig trees. How can we help you, Ben?
7: Hi, Scott. Uh, uh, Scott, uh, two or three weeks ago, somebody asked the same question to your mum, and uh, she—it's uh, a bug that eats the uh, the leaves uh, and also the uh, skin on the fig itself, and leaves like uh, worms there. Yep. And uh, at the moment, it's it's chewing through the uh, the the the, uh, the soft uh, ends of the uh, branches of the fig tree. It's loaded with it. And um, I was wondering what it was that I need to spray it with, please.
1: Yeah, so, mate, that's the one where you turn the leaf over and there is a whole lot of little grubs that are sitting there munching away. They're
7: they're, they're, they're floating around there now, actually. They're they're uh, dark-looking, about half the size of a bee or something, you know.
1: Yeah, so look, there's there's a few things you can do. Uh, if because it's on an edible plant, you just have to be a little bit careful about what you're using. There is a product yes. called dye Especially
7: well, the fact that I've got uh, parsley and uh, mm. herbs and stuff uh, growing underneath it. I was wondering whether uh, you know it's safe for me to, to spray uh, because I don't want to. Uh, would only pest on uh, edible uh, yeah, herbs yeah. that I have there. So you
1: have to be careful, mate. There is a product called Dipel. Now, it's actually a bio-insecticide. It only does caterpillars. So uh, get down to your local garden centre. They should be able to sell that to you. It's called Dipel, Dipel uh, and it will yes. definitely only do caterpillars. It's uh, it's safe to use around edible plants. I'm pretty sure there's still a withholding period on it, but it's only very short. Oh. Uh, so always use it according to the directions, but uh, that should work for you. Make sure you're trying to spray up in underneath the leaves as yeah. well where those little are because uh, they're, they're pretty clever about where they hide and they do a lot of damage. They are.
7: There everywhere. They're actually chewing the ends of the branches, you know, and uh, I was thinking of uh, cutting the whole uh, thing back and putting it in the bin and uh, spray afterwards. What, what would that do? Uh, would that be okay? Well,
1: look, you're going to lose your entire crop of figs, unfortunately. Well, the
7: figs are gone. They're, uh, all they're finished. They're, oh, they're, they're finished. finished, are they? They're no, c- finished, yeah. We, we, we had a good crop uh, but, uh, apart from the birds, uh, but we got a bit. <laughs>
1: You could you could do that if you wanted to. You you know that's probably not the you know the the best way to do it because what you want to you you want to have that chemical there for you again next year as well when you uh, see okay. them come because along. Your so, mom said,
7: remember your mum said if you don't get rid of them this year, they'll be back next year.
1: Yeah, look, they they certainly will be. I try. I, she says stuff, mate, but I try and forget it. She's <laughs> she's been my mum for a long time now, and I try and forget almost everything that she says to me. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there's a couple of gems in there that I probably should have remembered. Yeah, I wouldn't have ended up yeah, in as much. Probably have remembered it, but they've I, just been. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have ended up. As in as much trouble as I have now. So. Uh, no, no
7: doubt.
1: <laughs> Not with the law, though. I've, I've, no. got, I've got to say I haven't ended up in trouble with the law, so that's a good thing. But, uh, yes. yeah, look, she's right about that, um, and that's fantastic that she is. Um, so I'd, I'd give them a spray and try and get rid of them because all they're going to do is they're going to lay their eggs again for next okay. year. Yeah, so the moths will hatch, you know, they'll form their little um, cocoons, the pupers will hatch out next time, and you'll just have that infestation in oh, your area All right, and
7: a dipel. Okay. Dipel's the one you want, mate. Is it in a liquid form? No, it's
1: actually it's actually in a powder and you mix it up uh, and... you in a sprayer? Yeah, you do have to do that, yep. Okay. Well okay, thanks very much. Okay. Thanks, thanks, Ben. You have yep. a good Bye. afternoon. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: Cheers, Ben. Now, earlier we were talking with Lynn from Seam and we had Brad, who's just seemed to have just dropped out in the line for us. He had some more info about the water at Seam. Ah, I would have been uh, happy to hear about that because... Would have been
1: very interesting to know. Yeah, because Lynn was sort of saying that it, it's, you know, brackish and to me that means that there must be some tidal flow up there and it, yep. it's salty, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess if the she said the farmers up there are using it generally, um, maybe we might hear back from Brad next
0: week. Possibly, I yeah, hope so. I hope he remembers. It would have been nice to know what what information he had. Yeah, well, maybe
1: it's called seaum for a reason because mm. it's you know, the water up there is sort of from the sea. That's
0: that's probably a good explanation. I oh, know It's good as any, isn't it? That's it is. Me, yeah, <laughs> Brad might have had a more technical one. Probably, yes. yes. I don't know what it would have been, no, but no. Well, would saltash be? Same as well. That's a very good. What like ashy or salty? Salty, both. I have
1: absolutely salty no. ash. I don't. I've never even heard of a salt ash anywhere else in the world. You usually, hear about you know like Newcastle and Wall's End and all those sort of things. Mm. But uh, yeah, I haven't heard of salt ash from anywhere else.
0: All right, that just popped in my head.
1: Yeah, maybe a geographer can help us out with that as well, or a cartographer. <laughs> Some anybody
0: actually. A yeah, anyographer. <laughs> well, before we do wrap up today, Scott, there's a couple more plants. I want to get to the walking stick plant because you said there was a good backstory to it.
1: Yes, we can have a talk about that. Uh, yeah, walking stick palms. They're actually a native palm up around, uh, you know, sort of uh, northern New South Wales and southeastern Queensland. Now, the great thing about these walking stick palms is they only get to about three metres high, but when the diggers came back... The is wind that the did...
0: same as three feet high? And uh,
1: no, it's a little bit different, uh, but we'll, we'll, talk... <laughs> we'll get a tame measure out later on and we'll go back to <laughs> elementary uh, maths for us both. Sorry to interrupt. No, that's all right. Um, the, the diggers, when they came back in uh, World War One, they, uh, you know, if they were injured, they needed walking sticks, cheap walking sticks, and what they do, is actually get the stem of this palm and it was cut cut down and polished and sanded and they sort of left the root ball um, as the end and Turn it upside down and tidied that up a bit, and they could actually use that as the handle. So these right. walking stick palms were used as yeah walking sticks for return diggers back in in World War One who have, must have gone up there to convalesce yep. or something like that. That's a fantastic story. They are a nice little palm to have in your garden. They're not uh, really tall. They need to be in a you know fairly protected spot uh, in the shade. Uh, easy to look after. They're not going to get too tall. Three meters is only a small palm. So yeah, and you're going to have a palm a plant in your garden with a really nice
0: little backstory to it. Very good. Yeah. Good dinner party conversation starter. It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Very good. It is a gardening talk back and we've got Val from Pelican. How can we help you, Val?
6: Oh, hello. Um, yes, I've got this, um, which I think is creeping oxalis. Oh, yes. Yes, and it's just absolutely taken over the, the garden, but um, there's also plants in there that if I poison it, I don't want to poison the plant. So mm-hmm. I was just wondering if there's something I could... I
1: pull it out, but, of course, as quickly as I pull it out, yeah. back again. We, we said, ooh, yeah, about creeping yeah, oxalis like, like a plumber to a wet wipe going down the toilet then, didn't we? It's, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can get it. It's very difficult because, as you said, it spreads through. It sends, puts those little lateral roots down into the soil, and yes. you have to be incredibly persistent to uh, to try and uh, dig it out. Uh, now, depending on what other foliage is around it, you can get zero and very, very carefully spray it. Uh, but you know, in light of that though you have to remember that anything zero touches it will kill. kill so you have to be extremely careful about that. Some people will get a paintbrush and just paint it around uh, okay. but if you know if I you 've really got, got a lot of other plants in the garden, you might be best just to get down on the old hands and knees mm-hmm. and uh very very carefully tease it out. We do a fellow 's garden up in uh, up in Merryweather, and uh, it just keeps on taking over it 's in mondo grass, and it 's very very difficult to get oh, out okay. yeah yeah. So unless you can spray it uh, successfully and very, very carefully, it's unfortunately back to using a bit of elbow grease on it. Oh,
6: right. Yeah. Well, that's what I've been doing, but it's just as quickly as I pull it out, it just creeps back in again. Yeah, so, so
1: unfortunately that's the only way
0: when it's around other plants.
6: Oh,
1: okay. Okay. Well, thanks very much okay.
0: Anyway, Scott. Okay, Thank thanks, you. Val. Bye-bye. That's all right. It is Gardening talk back. I think we've got time for one more call, Scott. It's Mona from Waratah. How can we help you, Mona? Well,
3: I... A vine growing in the garden and it's got a, um, a green fruit on it. Yes. At um, similar in, uh, in size to a Roma tomato. Yes. It's green. When it um, uh, ripens, it's the colour of an apricot. And when you open it inside, it's got little red seeds. And I'm dashed if I know
1: what it is. I've never seen one before. Oh, I'm not sure about that one either, Mona. It sounds very interesting, though. Uh, so it sort of ripens up almost like a pomegranate or something, does it? The way well, it looks? the
3: seeds look like a pomegranate seed, but yeah. uh, it, it only grows about as big as a Roma tomato.
1: Right, I'm, I'm I'm, sorry, I don't know that. I, it always is the last caller that catches me out. You're stumped. I'm stumped, yeah, and Greg's looking at me with glee because so I, I stumped him with uh, something last week about DC Comics. I, bet he's, I still don't he know. He still doesn't know, so he's looking with glee now that I've been stumped here today. <laughs> Uh, how are we going to find out about time?
3: How... And it doesn't rot on me before I get there. I'll drop it in. You
1: can have a look at it. Okay, we'll try and do that now. So there might be some cleverer brains over there than me who can actually identify it. Well, um, your mother might know something. Well, she she might actually. I I did very well as well this week. Some people from up uh, Tree Passage brought a plant in, and I was able to identify it for them. Yeah, oh, uh, very yeah. good. Yeah. So I think it's probably the first plant I've actually correctly identified. You're very proud of yourself. I'm very proud. I've been doing <laughs> it for a long. Time now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then.
3: Thank you very much. Okay,
1: Amanda. sorry we couldn't help you, Mona. That's all right. Okay. Cheers. Have all a nice right. afternoon. Thanks for having Marna. Well, Scott, I think that's all we have got time for today. It is. Unfortunately, we've tried to trip each other up, and we've done pretty well. I've done very well at doing yeah, that. We've talked about our posteriors <laughs> with the uh, the tractor seat plant. So all's been that's, well. Anything can happen on leap day. It certainly could. I haven't been asked to get uh, married or anything today. Not yet. No, Not unfortunately,
0: yeah. All
1: right, Scott. Thanks very much. I'll catch you again next week. Okay, great.